This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. Really good to be together this morning. Wonderful worship, wonderful fellowship. Um, you saw that last slide there. Just a, a notice of the worship night on the 2nd of October. We'll also have some visitors from the USA, so we welcome you to that, that worship night. Well, we continue in our series on purpose, and today we're going to be talking about the Great Commission. We've looked at uh, my purpose is Christ-likeness, my purpose is community, my purpose is the common good, which Grant shared last Sunday. And the final discovery we make today is my purpose is the Great Commission. A phrase I'm sure you've heard um, spoken of many times in our circles. I was thinking about my first Great Commission. I was a little boy, and, and at that time my big ambition was to go to the shops for my mom on my scooter. I mean, as a little guy. So, I mean, there were some busy roads to negotiate, but... But that is, that is a mission I wanted to go on. And I, and I remember taking my scooter, not one like Mark Bailey's where you've got a lacquer motor on, the proper, the proper scooter. And go drawing all the way down to the shops. And I had a very clear instruction. One loaf of bread, one pint of milk. I can't say those missions always ended very well because when you got really fresh bread, from the bakery. There were a couple of stops on the way home. <laughs> you know what it's like, hey? It smells so lacquer. You think, well, I'll just take a corner of the crust off. And you scoot a bit more and you think, yo, this smells so nice. Let's take a little bit more off. And you get home and your mom hasn't got a loaf of bread. She's got three quarters of a loaf of bread. But that is my, that is my, my mission. And you know, that's life, isn't it? Life is a mission. We, we're on all sorts of missions. And that's what life is about. And I want to share with you today on the, on the, the greatest commission ever. And that is the, the instruction given by Jesus as the risen Lord to his disciples and to his church. When he said to them, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it wasn't a great suggestion. It was a great commission. It was a great instruction. Everything that Jesus did with his disciples for three years was building up to that moment. When he could say to them, go in my name. Commission is an instruction. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. And their big moment had come. You've heard us talk many times in this, in this church about apostolic. God has given us an apostolic mandate. And what does apostolic mean? 
Apostolic is like go. Apostolic means sent. That's what apostolic means, apostello. God is an apostolic God. He's a sending God. Jesus said, as you sent apostello, me into the world, talking to his father, John 17, so I have sent apostello, them into the world. As you sent me, Father, I'm sending them. God is an apostolic God. He's a sending God. He's a God who is on mission. Mission for redemption of the world. Redemption of the lost. That is God's mission. In John 20, it says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent apostello me, so I send you. It's in his DNA and it's in our DNA to people for people to be going. We have been sent. We don't need a prophetic word. We've got the prophetic word. Go. Make disciples. The Great Commission begins way back in the Old Testament with Abraham. Isn't that so? God gave him a mission, an incredible mission. He said to Abraham, leave your country and go to the land that I will show you. That's all he said. And Abraham responded in faith. And he left. And friends, from there on, we see the whole apostolic life of God unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. And so when Jesus, our great apostle, comes, the great sent one comes, that all comes together. This is not a new idea. This is not a New Testament idea. No, it's a God idea that began with the calling of Abraham when God said, in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so God has always been apostolic. He's always been on a mission. He's always been ascending God. It just gets wonderfully perfected when He sends His best from heaven to redeem a lost world. And then He breathes His life into His disciples and He says, go and make disciples. So I want to share five little points with you this morning, all beginning with P. We're going to look at partnership we're going to look at power, we're going to look at platforms, we're going to look at our place, and we're going to look at planting. Here's the amazing thing, is that you and I, the moment we become Christians, the moment we are born of the Spirit, the DNA of Jesus is implanted within us for going and making disciples. You know, I was just reminded as we were worshipping this morning, I was 17 when I got radically saved. Two months later, I was on my way to the South African Navy. And it's, whenever I ride to Poch, I don't know, it just brings the memory back to me because that was the railway line I was on as a 17-year-old with a bunch of real hooligans in my compartment on our way to Cape Town that would take three days. And let me tell you, it was around about here when the officers had gone to their quarters 
and the guys brought all their dope out, and now it was time to party. And my mission started immediately. When I refused my first dope. And I said, what's the matter with you? I said, I'm a Christian. And my mission had started at 17, and it's never stopped. You and I, the moment we get saved, the DNA of a Savior who's got a mission to save the world is implanted within us. The very spirit of Abraham is planted within us. Go. And we are drawn into a partnership with God to reach the lost. You see, so often Jesus, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, flying in tandem with the Holy Spirit, constantly looking for appointments where he could share this wonderful, wonderful good news. The second point is power. We've been empowered to go on this mission. We've been empowered for the Great Commission. What did Jesus say to the disciples? Acts 1.8 You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Friends, God has called you and He has empowered you and me to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, which is our home, our family, our friends, our neighborhood. And then Judea, outside of our home, in a wider sphere, and it gets wider and it gets wider. You know, I'm just so amazed that as a ducktail, a hooligan, saved by grace at the age of 17, never got to matric, I've preached around the world. Not because I'm good, it's because that's in God's heart and DNA, is for us to go and keep going and keep going. And we are empowered to do that. Every single one of us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Matthew 3, verse 11, John says this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not um, worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, a lot of commentators jostle around this thing of, of, of the fire. What, what, what is the fire? Because in, in um, Acts 2, 3, when Pentecost came, when the Holy Spirit fell, it says this, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And it's funny, I've never had a problem with that scripture. Because I immediately saw that in this empowering process, the fire of God fell like tongues on each believer. As a visible sign of being fired up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you remember that, that story in the Old Testament of Samson. I don't know if you got that picture of um, Samson and the fox, foxes. Do you remember that story? See the fields as enemy territory. And I've always loved this story, maybe because I'm a bit of a hooligan, but I've always loved this story. 
I mean, you grab two foxes and you set them alight. I don't know if you put turfs on, but... And he just sent those foxes into those fields and it just ravaged the enemy's territory. And that's what I see it, what happened at Pentecost. Is the fire of God fell upon his people. And that's exactly what happened. They were fired up. People said, oh, these guys are drunk. You know, they said, no, no, it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning. The pub's not open yet. It can't be that. They were fired up. There was a, there was a fire that went beyond themselves. And, and this, this life of God just was spilling out. And the church just, just uh, spread like wildfire. And then you come to, to Acts 6. And Stephen gets martyred. And instead of the church getting all timid, what happens? The fire just goes further. As people scatter, the fire just goes. And it spreads into all the earth. And I love what John Wesley said. He said, I set myself on fire. And people come and watch me burn. Yeah. <laughs> I set myself on fire. And people come and watch me burn. Friends, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit for mission. You may have been introvert like me. And it's not always easy. But man, <laughs> when God gives you that gap, He's empowered us to speak and to testify for Him. The third, the third thing I want to share with you, and, and that's probably the essence of the message, is platforms. Platforms. Throughout the New Testament, we see platforms that were created for the Word of God. The very first miracle Jesus did was a platform. It was a wedding. And it says that's where they saw his glory, when he changed the water into wine. What an incredible platform. Can you imagine the discussions at the celebration of that wedding? Can you imagine the incredible platform for sharing the gospel? What about the woman at the well? A whole town gets saved because Jesus took time to sit at a well and ask a woman of another culture to have a drink of water. Platform. Jesus would go into the synagogue, a ready-made platform. And of course he'd get thrown out. <laughs> Paul was the same. His first call was to the synagogue. Because he was a Jew. Familiar territory, into the synagogue, preach until they chucked him out. <laughs> Confrontation for Paul was just everyday occurrence. And go and have a look at those confrontations. Every time there's a confrontation, every time they want to throw him out, stone him, the gospel gets preached. He gets thrown into prison, the gospel gets preached platform. God gives us platforms. I was thinking of my own platforms. Throughout my ministry, obviously a big platform for me was the pulpit. From the age of 21, I was preaching every single Sunday of my life. Sometimes three, three times a Sunday. I did a lot of counseling. 
platform for evangelism. People come to you with a broken marriage, you share the gospel. They come to you for advice, you, you share the gospel. They come to you for premarital counseling, you share the gospel. People get saved. I did a lot of weddings. People get saved. Funerals. My first funeral I did, I was 21. And a young boy in the church of 18 had got killed in, in, in a, motorbike, a, a motor car accident. That was my first funeral. But his mother got saved. And there are many, many people who got saved because of the, that platform. Friends, become aware of the platforms God's giving you because God's giving you platforms that many of us will not even get near. Become aware of the platforms God is giving you. Instead of hucking about the difficulties in your office, maybe God wants you to be a light there and to start speaking the life of God in a difficult place where others cannot possibly get in. Hospitals. Yo, when I was a young minister, and look, I am an introvert, believe it or not. No, seriously, I know I'm posing as an extrovert, but um, I am, and I want to one, I can get a bit shy. But you know what my job was in the Johannesburg Central Circuit? Every Monday morning as a young minister, I just go to the general hospital. That was before the, the big one was made. Eight floors. And you go to ground floor and you ask for all the Methodists on the list and you go and visit all the Methodists. It's like cold canvassing. Women, men, children, the whole deal. But people got saved in hospitals. It's a captive audience, isn't it? <laughs> so it's like they're going to get out of bed and run away. <laughs> I've led many people to Christ in hospitals. Heispersuk. <laughs> hey, man, I hated Heispersuk. Now, really, as a, young, as a young minister, I had to do house visitation. I had, to have, I had a card system. I had to show my superintendent how many people I'd visited. As a young minister, I'd knock on the door, and the, and the lady of the house opens the door, and she, she calls Linda, her daughter. I said, no, no, I've, I've come to see you. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I led people to Christ in their homes. Because in their home, they are at home, and they'll tell you their problems, and they, the defenses are down, and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But friends, here's the key. In all evangelism, in all outreach, here's the key. Engagement. Engagement. Friends, when I get to a position in a conversation where I'm connecting, half the battle's won. Isn't it? Because you're in a space now where you can say, Holy Spirit, Please guide me. Talk to me. Help me ask the right questions. Am I right? Engagement is the key. But I've got quite a problem because I'm a very focused and restless person. So for argument's sake, if Jill sends me to the shop with five things on the list, I go into the store and I go to that shelf one, I go to that shelf two, and I go to that shelf three, Four, five, and Donna's like eight. Other people, I hear them talking, 
Yes, they've prayed for the teller, they've prayed for the packer, they spoke to the auntie at the yogurt counter. You know, I, I was so fast through there, the, the yogurt melted. It's like, that's a problem for me. <laughs> but other people have got that time to engage, and that's the key, connection. Because from there, you can be directed by the Holy Spirit to ask the questions. Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to direct the conversation. Lord, direct this conversation. Let me ask the right questions. Divine appointments. Remember Philip. I'll talk a bit more about that just now, but here's Philip, and there's this eunuch in his chariot from Ethiopia, and he hears him reading Isaiah's prophecy. And he, he runs along and he jumps in and he, the, the eunuch wants to know, who is he talking about here? What, what a, isn't it wonderful when someone asks you a question about life and faith? I mean, that's first prize, isn't it? Yeah. Then you give it. You can share the gospel. And that's what Philip did. Number four. Our place in the chain. I don't know if you've got a picture of the chain. Our place in the chain. You see, here's the deal. Speak to anybody, get, get, get anybody's testimony. And there was a chain of events that led to the cross. Am I right? Anybody. And they'll tell you about a granny who prayed and they spoke words of life. They will tell you about a Sunday school teacher, or a teacher, or a mother, or a friend, or a church, or a something. Am I right? And so our life is made up of a whole lot of links in a chain. Our challenge is to find our place in our sharing of the gospel in that chain. Am I the first link? Am I the middle link? Or am I the end link? <laughs> so I had an interesting situation this, this last week. I came to our church, destitute. He only had the clothes he was wearing. I chatted a little bit about with him in the coffee shop. Then I found Romka. He says, now take him to Future Forward, that wonderful ministry where we feed and clothe and equip people to get jobs and so on. And I put the address into my GPS and off we go. And I thought, and I, and I still said to Yvette, hey, God's got a sense of humor because I'm preaching on the Great Commission on Sunday. Now it's like God says, well, here, well, just a little test for you now. And off we go. And I'm looking and I'm looking for the gap. I'm looking for the gap. We're engaging and we get to the point where I need to get to, and I ask him about, about faith and about God. And, and we start sharing, and I start sharing the gospel with him. Yo, but now I'm lost now. I don't know where I am. This GPS is not, giving, it's, it's not working well for me. And I, I said, look, I'm sorry. We pull over. I redo the GPS, and I start going. I'm saying, yo, Lord, I'm like running out of gospel here. Um, <laughs> Obviously, you want me to share a bit more with this guy, so I shared more with this guy. And I mean, now we're really getting into that. I mean, we started from Adam, we've gone right through to Christ. I'm now at the prodigal son, and he's got the whole prodigal son story, and we get lost again. 
And I found Romka. I said, you know, Romka, I'm, I'm not getting there. <laughs> I just he felt it. Oh, glory. Now he says, I'll send you a pin. Anyway, he sends me a pin. Yeah. And we get back into the gospel. And I'm sharing with this guy. And in the end, I, I said to this guy, do you believe in eternity? He says, yes, I do. I said, well, that's very simple. The question is very simple. Where do you want to spend eternity? Do you want to spend it with God? Or do you want to spend it with eternal misery? I said, if you don't know what it's like, take your misery now and multiply it a gazillion times. And without Christ, you'll have that forever. I wish I could tell you that at the end, he said, please, please lead me to Jesus. <laughs> but at the end of all that, he didn't. He didn't. But you know what I realized again? I wonder what link I am. I'm not looking for a cop-out. I'm being realistic. I did my level best. I was praying. The stupid GPS was co cooperating much better, and we had all the time in the world, and he got the whole gospel. And he never came to surrender. But I thought, I could be the second last link. And I, I, obviously, I kept praying for him. And I prayed, prayed for him before we went. And, and I just, you know, people are so hard. But I'd rather have that than someone saying yes and they don't mean it. Anyway, our calling is to say, God, just let me be the link you want me to be now in this place, directed by your Holy Spirit. Because maybe tomorrow is the last link. Maybe Sunday is the last link. When, he, when the person finally sees the light, repents, and comes to Christ. Finally. Planting. To me, one of the most powerful means of winning the lost is planting a church. And you think... Why are you telling us that? We're just Gewerner Mensa in the church here, in a congregational meeting. Why are you talking about church planting? Friends, listen. There's some church, future church planters sitting here this morning. And let me tell you, when a church is planted, a lampstand is put into a community, and it becomes a resource center for the Great Commission. Because it's lasting, it's permanent. And as that church grows, its influence grows, and it equips its people, it becomes a mission station. A commission station. And it's a lasting, lasting evangelistic tool. Maybe you'll never plant a church, but listen to this. Maybe God's going to call you to be part of a church plant. Maybe you're not a preacher. Maybe you're not one who's going to break the ground. But maybe you can get alongside the team and be part of a team that, that goes and plants a church. Because let me tell you, churches will be planted out of this church. It's the truth. And maybe God is preparing you right now to be part of a plant, part of establishing the lampstand in a place of darkness, Become another city on the hill. You see, from, from that base, 
that Jerusalem base. We bless the surrounding community. And then we go wider. I mean, look at us at the moment. Clarkstalk, Potch, and it's getting wider and getting wider as the lampstands are getting brighter and brighter. Who knows what God will do with you and me. So friends, you and I have been called into this amazing partnership with God, ascending God, to become missionaries wherever we are, to become the message of the gospel where we are, where he's planted us. And to be constantly opening ourselves for the empowering of the Holy Spirit for this task of sharing the gospel. And to become aware of the platforms that God is giving us. And become sensitive to the Holy Spirit in those different platforms. It could be in sports, it could be at school, it could be Adversity, it could be in the workplace, it could be in so many, many places. Become sensitive, become aware. Sure, God's given me this platform. Lord, let me hear you speak. Give me opportunity to share the hope that lies within me. And friends, can I just encourage you with something? You say, oh, I'm not a trained evangelist. I don't, I don't know how to do the whole full gospel presentation. Listen. If you are born again and you have a testimony, that's the power of God for salvation. That's the power of God. Because the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means that when I'm testifying to what God has done for me in Jesus Christ through the power of the cross, I'm actually prophesying to an unbeliever. I'm actually speaking with confidence on behalf of God of what He has done in Christ Jesus. And to that person, it would be a prophetic word of absolute hope. Never underestimate your testimony. I always feel so great when I get into that place when I can say to someone, can I share what God has done in me? And that's like first prize. I did that with a Muslim once in hospital. I said, tell me about your faith. Tell me what you believe. And we had this whole long discussion. And then I said, well, can I tell you how, how I believe? <laughs> Another little platform. I heard this amazing thing. I've heard it before and I was reminded again this week. In our lifetime, we will influence 10,000 people. A word of kindness, a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of love. It could be in a, a million ways. We will influence 10,000 people in our lifetime. Imagine, imagine if we can share the love of God, the essence of the gospel of a loving God who sent His Son to die on a cross. Imagine touching 10,000 people in our lifetime with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we need to find out where I am in this, in this chain of events in people's lives and, and trust the Holy Spirit to use me at that particular, particular point. And fi finally, become planted. 
maybe become part of a plant one day where God is going to set a lampstand in the, in the community and that you'll be part of that. How do we respond to a word like this? I know how I've got to respond. I've got to say, Father, please help me not to be so, so quick. <laughs> you know, if I was more like Jill, I mean, she comes home, she can tell you the teller's mother's name and the children are sick and then she can know what the packer, what their name is and what's happening in her family. And <laughs> just, I'm, I'm through that thing. I just managed to say, I hope, you've had a, I hope you have a wonderful day. And if I could just stop a little bit and say, God, what, what, what are you doing? So for me, my response is, God, help me to just be a little slower, a little bit more purposeful in my reaching out. But I must, I must just close with this funny thing. I, you know, I get on a plane, a stranger gets next to me, and I start praying, okay, God, I'm willing to share, give me the right moment, blah, 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 praying, praying, praying. And then we get sharing. He's a born-again believer. And I think, oh, yeah, all that energy. All that energy. And he's born again anyway. So give me someone who's not born again. Let me do this thing properly. But friends, it's an opportunity for us to say, God, you've reached out to us. You've saved us by your precious blood. And you've drawn us into this, this ministry with you, this, this mission, this mission salvation to a dying world. Use me, Lord. Let me be a channel of your grace and of your love. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not quite there yet. I want to pray for you this morning. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you, you're not born again, if you're not born of the Spirit, if you don't have the assurance that you are a child of God, that you have been saved, and that the joy of God is in your life. I want to pray for you this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for this awesome gospel that we are part of. This, this great, great news of a loving God who sacrificed his son on the cross in our place in order to redeem us. Thank you, Father, that you've drawn us into a partnership. It's not for the professionals. It's for every believer, Lord, to share the hope that is in us of this wonderful, wonderful Savior, that we have this privilege of commending the Savior to the world. And I want to pray, Lord, that you'll give each one of us an opportunity this week to share your gospel with a neighbor, with a friend, even a family friend, a colleague at work, someone at school, someone at varsity, Lord, at gym, wherever, Lord. Make us aware of how you are leading and, and give, us, give us the ability to ask the right questions and to be on the spot for you and share this wonderful gospel. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.